Hello and welcome to the The Sam D Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Duzumay Jr. Follow me on Twitter at The Sam D. That's T-H-E-E-S-A-M-D. Podcast is also up on Twitter at The Sam D Podcast. For all content, audio, and visual, hit up TheSamD.com. This podcast is available on all major podcasts and platforms, including Apple, Google, The Rogan One, and others. Subscribe to the podcast, Five Sauce, nothing less, tell a friend. Musical production done by May First Music. Support him at soundcloud.com slash Music. Well, I know why you're here. You want a trade breakdown. You want to understand the breakup. You want to understand why the relationship did not pan out. You want to understand why the grievances could not be figured out, not be mediated. And I don't have all the answers, but I can lead you down the path to maybe, maybe understand why what happened yesterday happened. So everyone is talking about it. There's not there's not any spaces you can go where you can't hear the chatter about what happened. There are plenty of people that have been on the record, on television, on social media, on other podcasts that have put their name on what has happened and what's going to transpire and how this will affect the landscape of the NBA. And you know where I'm going. I have to start there. I have to. People have been hitting me up, whether it's text or DMs or what have you. They can't wait to hear what I have to say about the breakup. So here we are. In the year 2022, with all the turmoil that has faced these two, the basketball playing styles were supposed to work. The basketball synergy seemed to be, on paper, easy. The dynamic, simple. The wins, plentiful. The points, abundant. Yet here we are, right after the trade deadline, and as you wake up this morning, get the mata at your eye, you have to understand that things are different now. This was not just some ordinary trade. This was not just some blockbuster deal. This is something that potentially two to three years from now, you could look back and say, that was the moment. That was the moment. That's how impactful I think this move is. And of course, I'm talking about Latvian world star to Chocolate City. <laughs> I mean, to me, that's clearly the biggest deal that went down during the trade deadline. That deal opens the door for a lot of things. Luka's gone, right? Why would you stay in Dallas if you're Luka Doncic? If you're Slovenian Harden, you're now a one-man gang. And this is going to become a troubling pattern with Luka. Still hasn't gotten out of the first round. Yes, he's played the Clippers the last two years, and the Clippers are a formidable foe on paper. But yet and still, he has yet to get out of the first round. He's been beat up and injured both times that he's made it to the playoffs. He's also come into each season following being beaten up and injured in the playoffs by looking flabby and sick. Does this signal the end? of the Luka Doncic era in Dallas. Because if you're going to build around him, what are the things that you normally surround a ball-dominant, Harden-like guy? He needs a rim runner, right? They thought they had it in Dwight Powell. I guess to a certain extent, they thought Porzingis could be that, but Porzingis has never been a rim runner because he's 7'3". He's not the swiftest of foot. So the pieces have yet to been put in place. If you're really trying to make him Slovenian Harden, which I think, you know, I've been saying that for at least the last two seasons, where it's like it's clear when you look at his usage rate, 
when you just watch the way that he just dominates the ball, it's clear that he is the spawn of James Harden. With what he's been able to do from an analytics standpoint, a usage rate standpoint, it's been phenomenal. Phenomenally bad. He's too ball dominant. He takes too many shots. He doesn't bring anything else to the table in terms of intangibles. He is a chucker of the highest order. Yet here we are where a team is going to leverage everything and clean out another roster to protect the fact that maybe their best player, their franchise player, is a flawed one. Houston learned this the hard way at the very end when it came to the beard. They gave him Dwight Howard. They made it to the Western Conference Finals, but because the beard couldn't get along with Dwight D39, they got him up out of there. Then they gave him the point fraud. Again, they made it to the Western Conference Finals. Point fraud pulls a hammy. The beard and the rest of them dudes go 0 for 27 in game seven at the crib. Then they flush all of that out, get the point fraud up out of there, and then they go bring in Russie. And we know the disaster that that was. And then they finally realized the common denominator is the beard. The best years of the beard's prime were all wasted away because they acquiesced year after year, offseason after offseason, to the beard. Twice the problem? All right, we'll get him up out of there. We'll go get this Swiss dude named Capella. Now you can rim run. All right, let's go get the point fraud. All right. That doesn't work. 0 for 27 at the crib. P.J. Tucker, Eric Gordon. All right. We'll move some of those pieces out of there. We'll go get you Russie. Y'all can run the OKC thing back. Oh, that doesn't work? We flip Capella, get him up out of there. All right, we'll just roll with P.J. Tucker at the five. Look at all the things they had to do. They got D'Antoni up out of there. They made every change in the world to get him up out of there. And it never quite worked. Because he wasn't that guy to be the lead of a champion. The Dallas Mavericks are heading into that same type of territory where they're going to acquiesce everything for Luka. And my question is, does it even matter? Oftentimes when we hear of a young player that's in his third, fourth year in the league, we're like, oh man, but when, when this guy figures it out, when this guy gets to me, he reaches his prime. Dog, Luka's been hooping since 16 with professionals. Who's to say that we aren't already in his peak? We underestimate what this wear and tear does. And I've you know mentioned it at times throughout doing this pod. But the younger these players come in and the more professional you start a youngin, that's where the clock begins. The clock on your knees and your cartilage and your meniscuses start when you start taking ball serious. And if you're fortunate enough and talented enough to get to the league, that clock been ticking. You're playing professional ball at 16. Those knees have some wear and tear. Those knees are problematic. And then when you add into the fact that he clearly doesn't take care of himself from a physical standpoint, from a workout conditioning standpoint. I mean, what do you think is going to happen here? How does that project in three to four years? And are you ready to drop a max on that? Because that's what Dallas is going to have to do. But if you're Luka, and you've been circumvented in many different ways. We've talked about the Carlisle nonsense when, when that was happening. We've talked about the front office in Dallas. We've talked about the workplace atmosphere in terms of harassment from women in Dallas. There's a lot of things going on in that Maverick front office and in just that organization in general. And now they bring in Jay Kidd, who comes with his own baggage. But they have improved defensively. I will give them that Jay Kidd has gotten them to at least attempt to play defense. Not Luka, though, but the rest of them. Here's the question you have to ask yourself when you're watching the Mavericks. What are they trying to do? What's the identity of the team? They're buying in on the defensive end, but is this a tips thing where they buy in for a year or two because it's different and then they go back to their old ways? 
once they're tired of hearing that narrative of play D, lock up, man up. These are the things that are happening in Dallas. Luka got another guy up out of there. Front office changes, coaching changes. Now we have his second best player changed. I don't think Dinwiddie's there for long. I, I, I don't see that. And even if he is, I mean, what are we really expecting here from Dinwiddie and Doncic? Spencer was able to do some things in Washington, but I think they ran him up out of there because of his mouth. If, if you follow what Spencer has been saying in the press, he's basically been saying like, yo, this, this squad, this, this roster been lost, bro. This locker room been lost. So he's been vocal about how the Wizards have been really basura from a locker room standpoint. You know, they got off to that hot start. People started thinking, oh, wow, look, look at the Wizards. And then they came back down to earth and became the Wizards again. So to get Dinwiddie up out of there, I don't know what he brings. You know, the Mavericks are in the playoff mix. They're a mid-tier playoff team. How's that going to look in the first round? Doncic and Dinwiddie? At least Porzingis, you had the allure of what Porzingis is. I think, you know, I've been a proponent of Porzingis. You know, to me, he's still the, the Latvian world star. Uh, to me, I think there's still something there. He'll never, I mean, if, if you want to talk about how those around you can really fuck your shit up, Porzingis has to really look at his brother and get him the fuck up out of there. Porzingis had his brother get him up out of New York because his brother felt the way because he wasn't being given that Rich Paul type treatment, even though if you know the Knicks organization, they don't even treat Rich Paul like they supposed to. So, but apparently he wanted that Rich Paul type respect from not only the Knicks, but the league because Porzingis is his brother. So by him, by in part and due because of that, he's important now. Didn't happen. Knicks front office didn't see it that way. They treated him like you're our star player's brother. No, you're not going to have access to this. No, you cannot have input in the roster. Like you're not Braun in them. You're not World Wide West. You're not Rich Paul. It's not happening. So they forced your trade up out of there. And then he went to Dallas and it was shaking a light. Then he went back home to Latvia. And then he get laid out in Latvia. 7-3 got snuffed outside the club. On the streets of Latvia. Should be a returning hero. But he was in the wrong spot. Maybe he tried to go back to the block. Sometimes you can't go back to the block. Sometimes the block don't love you like, like, like they used to. Once they know you gone, you gone for good. You try to swing back. You try to double back. They don't want to hear that. Porzingis, Latvian, we're also trying to pull up and go back to the block, and he got laid out. Then he came back to the States to hoop, and it's been injuries. It's been inconsistencies. It's been playing with a ball hog. It's been a lot of things that have gone wrong for the Latvian world star. But he's going to be the scapegoat now. In Dallas, he's the scapegoat. So you have that trade. I think there's a lot there. I think a couple of years from now, that trade will signal whatever happens with Luka when he decides if he's going to buy in and get that first re-up. Because it's not a guarantee. We've seen that, that shift now where sometimes even the youngest say, I'm not, I'm not just going to take the automatic guarantee. Luka could have the power, especially if he realizes, dog, I'm, I'm kind of already in my peak. I'm already in my prime. I might be done by 30. Like, done at a high level. I might be done at a high level at 30. Because, I mean, that's 14 years of playing pro ball. But we don't think of it like that because it didn't happen over here. He's been logging major minutes since he was 16. At 30, you still think he's at his peak? Hopefully, Slovenian Harden knows his body and like, yo, dog, I might need to test that open market and cash out. It's still going to cash out. Whether it's the max, rookie extension, or if he tests the market, it's going to be a max. I think that trade of them getting Porzingis up out of there, shipping him off to Washington, pairing him with Dinwiddie for however long they, they decide to roll the dice on that, this could be the beginning of the end of Luka Doncic in Dallas. And the reason why I'm recording this in the morning is because I had to get this part in because, goddamn, last night, yeah, yeah, TNT did that. Chuckster, what are you laughing about right now? I, I can't say what I'm laughing. Yes, say what I'm NBA All-Star Draft last night, LeBron and KD. They're picking the reserves, and for some reason, 
Your man's KD didn't pick a certain man who is a former member of the Brooklyn Nets. LeBron takes this so serious. Twenty-five points a night. Future Nick, Donovan Mitchell. The Utah Jazz. Oh, this gonna be Maybe. Cool right here. Go uh, ahead. It's you, KD. All <laughs> <laughs> you. All right, for my sixth pick, pick of my reserves. KD uh, try to play this off, but first timer again, Lamelo Ball. So he's picking first timers instead of the beard. Finding every which reason to explain away. But Chuck ain't here for that. Just make him sweat it out. Just make him sweat it out. Take anybody else. With this, with the sixth pick in the second round. request. This was great television last night. There you go. First timer. First timer in his well, well, I'm help Katie out. Katie just needs size right now to me. So now he's left with Rudy Gobert or the beard. Rudy Gobert, the second year in a row, being picked last, potentially. KD has such a bad poker face. Such great basketball this year. I need somebody to offset that. So I agree. I'm gonna go with, uh, Rudy Gobert. Braun and everybody's laughing. Chuck, Kenny, EJ, Shaq. They all know what KD's doing. KD's fighting off the smile. Because, of course, we all know what he's doing. Oh, but here's, here, here's the best part. Of the all-star draft. LeBron stirring the pot. LeBron stirring the pot. Is he? Can he? Is he? Is he? He hasn't played. Is he healthy? Who's that? James. He hasn't played. Do, he's he's like missed. What happens if he doesn't? Oh, he got traded. He's healthy now. He's missed the last three with a with a hammy. <laughs> <laughs> KD had to laugh. KD had to laugh. He had to break. That poker face was gone. Yo, it's it's so weird this fucking league, man. Next year, bring a clipboard. It comes in. It comes in very handy. Yeah, you have to. You can hide your face. And that's why that show is the best sports show that's going. You can give me all the debate shows and the hot take shows and all of that. Nope, that's what it is right there. And you can say what what you will about Chuck, and I certainly have my transgressions with Chuck about certain things and and Shaq too. Uh, But when it comes right down to it, that's why that show is where it is. It's it's the pinnacle. It's the pinnacle when it comes to NBA television. It's that right there. And uh, look, man, (laughs) the beard is gone. Uh, The beard is now in Philly. Daryl Morey bowed down. Daryl Morey bowed down. He tried to fleece anybody. He tried to fleece the Kings. He tried to fleece the Blazers. He tried to fleece the Nets. But then he had to double back and go take whatever the Nets wanted. (laughs) He tried to he tried to fleece the Celtics. Hold on, let's not let's not forget. He tried to fleece the Celtics. Jalen Brown. And all of them, smart, everybody, Robert Williams, it was going to be all of them, just for Ben, just for little old Ben. Instead, (laughs) it's it's just, oh, Ben for beard, straight up, right? Ben, Ben for the beard, straight up though, right? Right, Dal Mori? I mean, it's easy, right? You know what I'm saying? Because you, you got the analytics community on your back, right? They're they, they going to ride with you no matter what. You won that trade, right? You won that. You won that. Your one for one turned in a two for four. Five if I include in the picks. Five if I include the picks. Two for five. You went from a one for one. Ben for Dame. Straight up. <laughs> ben for the beard straight up 
<laughs> ben for Jalen Brown. Straight up. <laughs> ben for everyone on the Celtics. Straight up. <laughs> So now you had to throw in Drummond and Seth and some picks just for someone to take Ben. <laughs> what happened to the leverage? I thought he had leverage. He had the blue check boys telling you Ben was broke. He had the blue check boys telling you that Ben is a nuisance. He's showing up to the arena unannounced. He had all of the blue check boys in his pockets to do his bidding, to drive the price up. And he had to throw in Andre Drummond and Seth Curry, a starter, to get rid of a dude who wasn't going to play. He had to include a starter and a rotational big and some picks just to get rid of a dude who was not going to play. <laughs> you can't make this shit up. You can't make this shit up. Sold you a false bill of goods. Told you he was going to do it one for one. He wasn't going to take nothing less than top tier talent, elite talent, all star caliber talent. And instead, he got the last pick in the NBA All-Star game. For the second best player on his team the last five years. <laughs> oh, 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 but, oh, but the pick and roll, though. <laughs> and B's going to rim run now. <laughs> oh, oh. The Bears going to be creating all these shots for Matthias now. Now, now that Jimmy going to be wet now. He's going to hit him in the pocket, right? All right. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, so Philly is happy because they got the guy they wanted. They got a 33, soon-to-be 34-year-old beard is locked in for another 47 M's next year. I mean, okay. Okay, Philly, you better win. You better win. Because <laughs> it ain't going to end well. It ain't going to end well. Based off what the Beard has shown you in his last few seasons, where this year, currently, he's shooting the worst of his entire career. From the field and from three, he's shooting the worst. It's still respectable overall, but... For a man that's logged again, we, we talked about it with Luca, Slovenian Harden. Now we're talking about actual Harden. This man's put a lot of minutes on his body, and we know how he moves in the offseason. It's not the most strict offseason regimen. The body has started to show wear and tear. The pot belly still hasn't gone away yet. Here we are, locked in on a potential pick and roll combo of the beard and Embiid Philly fans are left to gleefully imagine all the different schemes that Doc Ooh, ooh wait a minute ooh. yeah that's the whole Doc Rivers thing hey is Sam Cassell drawing plays if Sam Cassell is in charge of how to ingratiate the beard into the system I'll give it a chance but if y'all let Doc Rivers put his hands on this, this ain't the point fraud and the Kia jumper in L.A., Doc. This ain't the point fraud in DeAndre in L.A., Doc. Don't you dare think MB going to be rim running. Them knees are fragile as hell. Them limbs are fragile as hell. Don't you try to throw no lobs to that man. Beard, that's not Capella. That's not D39. You're just going to have to entry pass that into the post and move around. This ain't no come set the screen and then run. No. No. Maybe a pick and pop. Long live pick and pop. But not no traditional pick and roll. 
That ain't going to work. Both of these guys are strong individual scorers. How is this going to work? When you're just throwing talent together, you know, Beard is tight with the owner or the co-owner over there. Obviously, he's tight with Maury. Him and Embiid used to have beef, but I guess that squashed. Now they love each other. Now they're probably in back channels texting away. This move has all the reeks of a second round exit. It's a great headline. It's huge headlines. It, it can send shockwaves through many a group chat. But when it comes right down to it, this is a second round, maybe at its peak, third round exit. And if that's what the move was made for, then okay. Are the chances of Philly winning a championship that much better? By default, you have to say yes. But the answer is how much better? And shout out to Not That Serious Podcast. They had Twitter spaces last night talking about uh, this trade. And, you know, I just wanted to listen. It was like, I want to hear the energy. And, you know, Philly fans were giving it up. Philly fans were giving it up. And I respect it. I just want to know, when it comes May and June, (laughs) when it comes May and June... I mean, okay. All right. Remember this, this joy. Remember being this ecstatic in May and June. Because it's going to be a problem. Defensive deficiencies. I mean, good thing. I mean, if you listen to Chris Haynes, he was on TNT last night. He said the Nets almost got Tybalt in this deal. (laughs) So wait. The Nets almost got Tybal in this deal. <laughs> so, wait a minute. Man sold y'all that he's going to go get straight up Dame one for one, straight up Beard one for one, straight up Jalen Brown one for one, only to spin the block and try to fleece Boston even worse and say one for five, only to flip it himself and almost do one for five his damn self? <laughs> Imagine if they would have gave up Matthias. I'm assuming that first round pick is because they didn't want to include Matthias. But imagine Drummond, <laughs> Seth, Ben, and Matthias <laughs> for the beard when you've been running around. <laughs> Yo, (laughs) oh man, I hope y'all see it one day. I really hope y'all see the fraudulence of these people someday. Oh man, but the bottom line, you got hardened, right? You got hardened. So let's just forget all that. You give up whatever. Okay, (laughs) y'all almost gave up everything. Y'all almost gave up whatever. Oh, man. And for Brooklyn, this shit's amazing. <laughs> this is a team that was old. Uh, this this is a team that lacked size. And now you bring in a 6'11 point, point whatever you want to call them, point forward, point guard, point wing, facilitator, whatever you want to call them. I, last night I tried to bring up the – because I've been trying to fl- flush out what exactly I think Ben is. I spent many a pod here – and on other people's spots and on my man Greg Larner's show and other hits that did on Sirius, talking about Ben and what he is and what he isn't. I think he's a specialist. And I think I've made this comparison, but much like Dennis Rodman was a defensive specialist that can rebound the ball, and that was his acumen, and he locked in and he tapped in and had a Hall of Fame career. Ben is in that same class, but you take out the rebounding and put in passing. He's a defensive point whatever that's elite hall of fame level talent everything else is whatever you don't need him to score because that's not his thing Dennis Rodman didn't have to score because what he contributed in defenses defense and rebounding circumvented anything he needed to provide on offense it didn't matter his defense and rebounding were providing points still for the team so even though he wasn't scoring the ball he was still getting points for the team through what he was doing defensively and from a rebound perspective. I think Ben 
does the same thing. We talked about the stat ad nauseum of how he's, he's assisted the most threes of anyone the last couple of years. The most threes out of anyone in the entire league. That's contributing to the offense. That's scoring points indirectly. Then you add that to his all-NBA defense and the fact that he's 6'11 and can guard positions one through five, that's a huge commodity that was available. Huge. For the Nets to walk in and just get that and Drummond because they got no size because the Kia jump is washed and LaMarcus Aldridge is hanging on by a thread fresh off of a heart issue. Now they go get Andre Drummond. Now to add to the shooters because they don't know what's going on with Joe Harris, now you got Seth. So now, assuming NYC continues where it's going with maybe lifting the mandates in regards to COVID, Kyrie might be able to pull up now. Snyder running out there with Kyrie, KD when he gets back. Now you're bringing in Ben. I don't know if you start drumming. I think you should because I don't think Aldridge, you could go super big pause with this lineup where you could have Aldridge and Drummond. KD, put him at the three. Ben at point or Kyrie at the two, however you want to do it. You could flip-flop either the two of them. That's a big lineup, bro. That's a lot of size. And then when Joe Harris comes back, maybe you put Aldridge back on the bench, put KD at the four, Harris at the three, and then you still got Ben and Kyrie in the backcourt. Like, there's a lot of flexibility here because of what bring, what Ben brings to the table. And as much as, you know, I know in, in Philly he's a laughing stock, and that's fine, but we're talking about just hooping now. All the outside shit is outside. When they step on the court, what can one guy do that the other can't do? That's what basketball is about. What can my guy do that your guy can't stop? My guy can facilitate the ball to one of the best shooters of all time, night in, night out. Then he could kick it to a point guard or guard that can score with the best of them and has one of the best layup packages, if not the best layup package of all time. Then I have a former three-point shooting champion who can drain it from the corner, and then you could rotate a bunch of other guys. You could rotate in the Patty Mills who can get buckets. You could rotate in an Aldridge who's money from the mid-range. You could rim run with Andre Drummond. You could do bombs away with Seth who's shooting 40% from three. This is going to fit. This is going to work in Brooklyn. Now, to what level? I don't know yet. I got to see it. But just in terms of on paper, knowing the strengths of the players that are still remaining on that roster, this works. This probably works on paper more than when they had the beard. And they damn near beat the Bucks with just the beard and KD. And I'm saying this potentially is a better fit than that. So, you know, Daryl Morey, I mean, I guess you won because <laughs> you got your man. <laughs> but, I mean, the, the lies you told in the media, the stories you had leaked in the press, I mean, if this doesn't show you that he's shaking the light, they ran around here saying Ben was broke because Ben basically four minute, uh, forfeited 19 mil. This is real player empowerment. We talk a lot about Bron and we talk a lot about KD and players taking the power into their own hands and forcing their way out of stuff. This might be the best example of that. This isn't taking my talents to South Beach. This isn't choosing to go to the best team to win a couple of easy chips. This is, I don't want to be there and I'm going to put my wallet on it. Because a lot of the time when the money comes involved, dudes get shook. Dudes get nervous. Families get nervous. Loved ones get nervous. And they force you to go collect that check. Ben and his team, even though I'm sure Rich Paul was wavering at times, especially in the press with some things allegedly. I'm sure he's got a lot going on at his crib. But in regards to standing 10 toes down and willing, willing to let the bread go, how many of y'all willing to say, I don't need that 19 mil? Because here's a, here's a rich person's secret. And I'm not rich, but I've heard. At some point, it's just a number in your account. Ben got plenty millions already in the bank. Even though Maureen and them were planting stories that he's broke. Man's got plenty M's in the bank. 
He's running around buying engagement rings, taking lavish trips. Man's got it. But they still told you he broke and y'all ran with it. And y'all believed it and y'all cracked jokes. He said, I don't need them 19Ms. I'm good. I got plenty of money already. I got what? F you money. I don't even need this 19, dog. That's how long I got it over here. Pause. I don't need that 19. Because I could get that 19 on the re-up. If Ben go hoops the way he hoops, even with the stigma of, oh, he can't shoot or he doesn't want to shoot, he might have a mental block, yada, yada, yada. Even with all of that, if he goes out there and becomes the player he has been, just stay at that level, he going to get another bag. And that 19 going to be forgotten. You think that 19 is going to translate into something? You think on his deathbed, he's going to miss that 19 mil? He wanted out. He could have killed Joel when they lost to the Raptors. When Joel was looking shaky in the light, that whole playoff run. He could have aired out Joel, but did he? They were both under fire. That's the narrative that's been changed because Joel has become Joel now. He has taken the moniker of the process when the process was a whole entire thing. It wasn't just him. It was all of them. It was Okafer. It was all of them. Noel, it was all of them. But Joel has changed the narrative. No, I am the process. Okay, sure. You could get that off. I ain't forget. But to people who want to look past that, sure. You're now the process. Sure. When he was shaking the light against the Raptors, including watching that Kawhi shot, dot in his eye seven times bouncing around the rim. Did Ben come out and air out Joel? No, he didn't. But when Ben has his shaking light moment, here comes Doc, here comes Joel, riding the wave of the fan base, riding the wave of the media, riding the wave of social media, airing Ben out. But when it was Joel a few years before, crickets. Ben ain't say shit. Funny to your boy. But Joel gets to win because Joel's popular. Ben has been trashed for so long because of what he didn't do, not even what he did do, is what he didn't do, that it's easy for Joel to become the, the good guy in this, and Ben's the villain. Ben is the scapegoat for all the failures. Even though it was Ben and Joel in that pick, watching that Kawhi shot, dot the two of them in that corner in Toronto. They ran a play at the two of them on a switch. They ran the play directly at the Philadelphia 76ers, two best players by design. And Kawhi said, I'm going to still get it off. Two guys that are known for their defense, lauded for their defense. Kawhi said, I'm going to still get to my spot. So Nick Nurse, genius that he is, actual genius that he is as a coach, said, okay, we're going to run this shit right at Ben and right at Joel off the switch, off the double, he's still going to get that three off. No one talked about it in the postgame. Joel was too busy crying on every Raptor's shoulders. Ben took it and wear it, professional in the postgame. He didn't throw no subs. He didn't question anyone's heart. He didn't question anyone's acumen. He didn't question the team's future, the franchise's future. Just wore it. But when it was Ben's turn, shit was different. The fact that they wanted to trade him right after that Toronto series and Joel and Doc agreed only for things to go left and the deal was dead. So then the summer after that, again, wanting to trade Ben and Ben saying, all right, man, this is two straight joints. You're trying to, I right, whatever, I'm with it. Then this shit died. The deal died to now this past year where Doc and Joel air out Ben and Ben said, yo, I had enough of this shit, dogs. If y'all don't want me so bad, get me up out of here. If y'all don't want me here, then get me up out of here. If I'm the problem, why y'all keep bringing me back? And you know what? Why am I showing up? Y'all don't want me. Y'all are better without me. Okay, then go ahead. Pr prove it. Go prove it. Go win a chip without me. Here's a secret. They're not winning a chip. <laughs> Unless they go pull something off in the buyout market. Nope. Not like this. Dame Embiid. I'm more willing to buy into the hype. Beard Embiid? Nah. Nah. Y'all can hold that. <laughs> Y'all can hold that. I'm good. I'm good on that. 
I got I, I got nothing for you on that. I, I got no faith in that. Second round, conference finals, sure. It's possible. Finals, woo, things got to break really right. Things got to go real. You got to have like a heat run in the bubble where shit breaks the right way. You get the perfect matchups that you can actually exploit in every single round. You can have a heat run in the bubble, but what happened to the heat in the finals? Right. Can Philly beat the best of the West? Let's assume, let's play the game and say they get out the East. I think that's a laughable notion, but let's assume they do. They beating the dubs? Matthias could chase around one of the Splash Brothers, but he can't chase both. Who Harden going to guard? Huh? Oh, 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 Maxi Poster. Huh? Maxi going to do what? Danny Green going to do what? Toby going to do what? Can Bearden and Bede be enough to stymie the Suns? They actually have a person who can guard Embiid and Aiden. I didn't say lock him up. I just said guard him. So you might not have to double all the time. And if you don't have to double him all the time, then how do others get shots? You telling me the beer is going to get doubled again? The Bears going to get back into that bag from Houston three years ago, four years ago, that he's going to have to be an automatic double or a trap to get the ball out of his hands. And when that ball gets out of his hands, who's it going to go to? This is a lot of faith in Maxi, And I'm not anti-Maxie. I've actually been low-key on Maxi pause for a few years now. But the fact of the matter is, if now you're thinking Maxie's going to take another step, with less of the ball? Ugh, cool story, bro. I don't, I don't see how that works. I think he'll play well next to the beard, primarily off the ball with the beard. But in regards to him continuing his development, maybe in practices, but in games, ugh, I don't know. I don't know. This is a win now move. So you're sacrificing development of young players like him because you're trying to win right now which is what he said. I I just wonder how all of this is supposed to go. I just wonder because I made the point last night on on the spaces, John, like I I don't think the East is as deep as people think. Like I know there's a lot of alleged good teams in the East, but I'm talking about title contending teams. Like there's a measure, there's a huge difference between good, like great, and then like, no, they're a contender. Like they can win a chip. And in the East, I really only see three teams that can win a chip. Milwaukee, I'll give, I'll put Brooklyn still in that mix. And then it's debatable between if you want to buy into the beard and and Embiid, or oof, heat culture. No, I can't do that. I can't do that. I refuse to do that. Um. Man, who is the third team in the East? Let me take a quick look. Definitely not Chicago, not Cleveland. I mean, look, Miami has the best record in the East, but I still don't believe it. I do not believe it. I'm saying the Nets as an eighth seed have a better chance of winning a championship than the number one seed in the East. Yes, I am saying that. Hey, man, I said last night in the, in the spaces, I Boston's a sleeper. They got Schroeder up out of there. Got some size in Tyus. They brought Tyus back. I like what Boston is doing. It's not necessarily the scam of them. They, uh, it's just they knew they shouldn't have never signed a Schroeder, but they signed him to a one-year deal because they could flip him at the deadline. That's exactly what they did. That's management 101. So I think the Celtics have a better chance of winning a chip or at least getting to the finals than a lot of the teams that are in front of them. Better than the Raptors. Because, again, you got in the playoffs, it comes down to your horses. You want to sell me on the Raptors? Okay. Van Vliet, all-star? Sure, I get all of it. He's earned it. He deserves that. But, I mean, what else we got? Siakam, Gary Trent, is that going to translate in the playoffs? Who's their lead dog? Who's going to get the rock in the big spot? Van Vliet? Has he come that far? I need to see it before I believe it. Cleveland's a great story, but I think 
they are the Knicks of this year. But the, the great thing about them is they actually have a good core of young talent, though, and not just a coach with an overhyped system. And they're not just sneaking up on teams and out hustling them. They're actually beating teams. So Cleveland's for real, just not for real to come out the East. You know what? There's only two teams. I won't even force it. It's Milwaukee and Brooklyn. To me, that could come out the East. I'll give Philly a chance. Once I see a few games, I could potentially put them back at that third team that can come out the East and actually win a chip, not just make a finals appearance and take a L. I'll say right now, it's only two teams. I have no faith in Miami. Chicago is bullshit. That's why I haven't even mentioned them. Uh, Cleveland, nice story, but no. I think it's the Bucks. The Bucks in Brooklyn. I trust Giannis. I trust KD. Yeah. I trust that over than trusting Jimmy and a bunch of dudes, uh, DeMar DeRozan and a bunch of dudes, Darius Garland and a bunch of dudes. Yeah. Fred Van Vliet, Siakam and a bunch of dudes. Yeah. Yeah. And then in the West, I think it's only the Suns and the Dubs. So there's really four teams. Four teams out of 30 that could win the championship. So when we're talking about these trades and what, what do they mean and who's now a contender, I mean, again, unless you want to put Philly there, unless you want to put Philly there, even if you do, that's still only five teams. Five teams out of 30 that if you're a real hooper and understand basketball, five out of 30 have a legitimate chance of winning a championship. Now, sure, anomalies can happen. Things could break the right way. Injuries could play a part and a team could come out of nowhere and sneak a ring. They can sneak a Larry OB. But if everything stands pat and these teams are relatively healthy, I think it's only four teams that can get it done. And if this Harden and B thing looks okay, then maybe I'll make them the fifth. So we'll, we'll mention a couple of lesser trades or matter of fact, no, let, let, let's go to L.A. Let's go to L.A. And not the Clippers. The Clippers made a move. They got rid of Ibaka. The boss of getting Ibaka low-key is really sneaky because Brooke Lopez, you don't know when he's coming back. They really don't know the status or the timeline of when he might come back. So that's like a real thing, and that's basically getting insurance. So you like that move because of what Ibaka can do, obviously still defensively despite his age, but also the fact that he's improved his three-point shooting. So you like that. C.J. McCollum to New Orleans. Look, the Pels are in the playing mix. Even with the Zion nonsense, even with, you know, they've had injuries throughout that roster and just ineptitude throughout that roster, they're in the playing mix. So they go and they try to risk it all and go get C.J. McCollum. And I don't know what that looks like. I don't really care what that looks like. It really really is insignificant to the bottom line, but it's a decent move if you're trying to fool your fan base that you're actually trying. It's a move that on the surface looks like you're trying, but ultimately deep down you know you're not. The Suns go out there and get Tory Craig. Is that insurance for the Dubs? Is that a move with the Dubs in mind? Tory Craig is known for his defense. He can hit a three, but he's more so known for his defense. He's a, he's a bigger guard. He can guard one through three. So is that a move with the Warriors in mind? Is he a guy where you could plug in and have him hound Clay or hound Steph? Assuming that we get the inevitable Western Conference Finals of the Dubs and the Suns. The Kings, who I have not gotten to yet, but we getting there. The Kings moved Marvin Bagley III, MB3, flip him to Detroit. So Bagley finally gets out after, I don't think he literally, did he even play a minute? I know at one point, by Christmas, like he hadn't even played a minute. Let's see if he did he even get any run at the end there. Let's see, sack. Cause it was weird, man. Like he was just chilling there, street clothes. Like they they talked about they call uh Anthony Davis street clothes. I mean, but I think Marvin Bagley has like clearly stolen that. Oh, he eventually did get some run. Okay, he played 30 games. Wow, that's way more than I thought because there was a minute there. How many DMPs he got? Yeah, he went through a stretch of their first 13 games. He only played in one. Then he played for a little bit. Then he had another stretch where he missed six straight. He was inactive. And then he hadn't played. He did not play the last six games for the, for the Kings. So, yeah, he missed basically half the season. 
So, yeah, he wasn't getting no run. Even when he did get run, he never... Yeah. Let me see. He only played 30 minutes twice this year. So that tells you Bagley wasn't getting no run. So they finally get him up out of there. It was a bad fit from Rip. They should have never taken him that high to begin with. But this is the Kings. This is who they are. And that leads me to the most disgusting move of the trade deadline. And that is the Kings deciding that now is the time to go and mortgage their future and hitch the wagon to De'Aaron Fox and trade Tyrese Halliburton for Sabonis, DeMontis Sabonis from the Pacers. I have no fucking clue what they were thinking. I don't know what Vivek. I feel sorry for Alvin Gentry. You know, they got some good guys. They got some good assistant coaches. The the plastic man, Stacey Augman, is on that, is on that coaching staff. Doug Christie's on that coaching staff. They have to be beside themselves in a bad way to the fact that they gave away a guard who was 21 years old, shooting 45, 46% from the floor, 41% from three, seven assists, four rebounds, and 14 a game. Put up damn near a 40-piece on the road in Philly. Gave you 21 against Knicks Tate. And Sacramento thought, nope, that ain't good enough. He had strings where he dropped 20-plus in five out of six games, all losses, but against these opponents, Memphis, the Spurs, the Warriors, the Clippers, the Grizzlies again, and then OKC. So one bad team in that mix. Everyone else is a playoff team or in the play-in mix. He gave you 20-plus in five out of those six games. There's a whole bunch of analytics. They're on my timeline on Twitter at the Sam D. Look, man, it's it's it is disgusting. It is disgusting what they've done or what they did do to Tyrese Halliburton, who's come in there and been nothing but professional. He said all the right things. He's coming off, you know, a great rookie season. I think he should have gotten some rookie of the year votes, but I mean, when you're in the draft with LaMelo, you know that was not happening. But in regards of, I mean, even this year, 14 double-doubles. This is a point guard, a young point guard in this league. This is a man who is sharing the rock with De'Aaron Fox, who they maxed out. I don't know. I, I just, some things are just hard to explain. Ineptitude is a word. I could give you a whole bunch of superlatives. I could give you a whole bunch of big words that mean bad things. But the Kings are just on some fuck shit. That's really what it comes down to. And that's why I'm glad I have a podcast and not like on the radio because I would have had to use a lot of big words when, when, when I really mean the Kings are just on some fuck shit. The Kings are tearing it all down to build around De'Aaron Fox. And while I like De'Aaron Fox, I don't have an issue with him. He's a hooper's hooper. He's a great guard. He's a baby John Wall. When you realize you have a baby John Wall, you then have to realize, I got to go get a baby Bradley Beal. And I'm not sure if Halliburton was a baby Bradley Beal. I think he could be a better overall guard than Bradley Beal and John Wall. Y'all know how high I am on Halliburton. And it's not just stats. And that's where watching games is important. It's not just stats when it comes to that, right? Like, if you understand what a point guard's job is or just a guy who has the mind of a facilitator, that's what always draws me to point guards because that's how I had to evolve my game when I was coming up hooping. I had to learn. I was learning to become a facilitator. You know, if y'all don't know May 1st, or mostly I don't know May 1st, but May 1st is 6'6". That's who I grew up with. So I feed the big man. I had to learn different ways of how to feed the big man. So my mind had to turn into, okay, I can't just dump it in on the entry this way. I got to figure out, okay, how can I move some people around and get him open on this side? Like that's where my brain had to evolve because once people underestimate you and then you realize, oh, big man is nice. All right, now we're going to actually play hardcore defense. Now you got to adjust. Now you got to adjust how you get him to rock. Now you got to adjust. How do I involve him? Is it pick and rolls? Is it running motion on the backside? Is it backdoor shit? 
what do I need to do to get the man in motion? Is it handoff? Is it three-man weaves? Is it motion? These are the things you got to think about as you're a guard trying to figure out how do I feed my team's best player? So when you watch Halliburton, you can see his brain thinking, okay, Buddy needs some shots. How do I facilitate? What play are we going to run here? Or maybe we need to freestyle this and freelance it and try to get Buddy open. Or De'Aaron sulking a little bit. All right, he needs his touches. Let me get, get out the way a little bit. Let me, let me let him get a couple of ISOs and move out the way. Or Harrison Barnes, he's a vet. We need his touches. Let me, let, me give, let me get him some screen and roll action and see what we can do. Let me do a dribble handoff and see what we can do. Let me get a couple of pin downs for my guys coming off the bench because they need to come off, come off the bench gunning. These are the things that Halliburton is doing on the fly. And you can see it if you watch the games. And the king said, fuck all that. Give me the baby John Wall. Give me the bootleg John Wall. We're going to max him out, and we're just going to invest all in him. We made a mistake in Bagley. They are trying to make amends for that by finally getting him about the paint. But the fact that, you know, they're, what, they're not even two years into that. Uh, they're not even two years into that, that extension. <sighs> I don't know, man. It's, 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 I had a lot more vitriol in the moment but then once I found out that Maury didn't want Halliburton (laughs) it would have been a lot harder for me to laugh at Philly if the Kings would have been dumb enough to send Halliburton to Philly it would have been a lot more difficult for me I would have had trouble I, I, I shit you not. I would have had difficulty shitting on whatever Ben deal they came back with if they would have found a way, whether a two straight up two two teamer or three teamer, whatever. If they would have found a way to get a Halliburton, I would have had to fall back a little bit and reassess. But since they didn't, <laughs> you turned down Buddy Heel, who would have been a shooter, another shooter, assuming you're able to get your one for two off. Assuming he could have just did Ben for Buddy and Halliburton and not throw in Seth and Andre Jarvis and all his other nonsense. Assuming he could get off a one for two. You turned down, Buddy, to go with all. I mean, imagine the shooters that would have been around Embiid. Imagine the shooters. More shooters. More shooters. And then you could have had a future backcourt. Because you're assuming Buddy's like Buddy's expendable. But your backcourt could have been Maxie and Halliburton for the next five years. Maxie and Halliburton for the next five years with Impede? But, you know, analytics. (laughs) 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 Oh, man. Uh, The Lake Show. Lake Show did nothing. Lake Show couldn't do nothing. They tried to do something. Matter of fact, I'll I'll let Rob Palenka, Dave McMiniman, Asked Rob Palenka in the press conference, uh, I guess post trade deadline press conference to announce they did nothing. <laughs> Here's uh, Dave McMiniman and Rob Palenka. Hey Rob, um, given the stage of LeBron's career and the inherent uh, pressure that comes with the partnership, recognizing you're trying to shepherd. Uh, the legacy of, of someone who's considered one of the handful greatest players of all time. Is there any sense from your position, the front office's position, talking about accountability that today you're, you didn't accomplish your job or your goal uh, in order to give him? You could have traded no one, bro. What's pieces, up? Um, it's a long way of saying for that. For what's remainder of this season. You're wasting LeBron's prime. What's up? During the entire course of my tenure, you guys know, because I've said it before, um, I've been very collaborative with LeBron and Anthony, our captains, in terms of shaping the roster and making <laughs> moves that make sense. And that continued with this trade deadline. And um, you can't force another team to present you yourself with a deal that's going to make your team be better. That's up to them. And right. throughout this process, we had different things we looked at and um, like I've done in the past, had conversations with LeBron and with Anthony about it. And I would say that there's alignment here. Um, and that's all that matters. 
Yeah. So basically, McMinimum was asking, yo, dogs, you're tricking off the end of LeBron's legacy with these failed rosters, even though we know LeBron built these rosters. But uh, yeah, but the narrative is, you know, Palenka's a GM, Palenka's the VP of basketball operations or whatever trumped up title he has. So yeah, Palenka, it's your fault. You put this together, not LeBron and AD having Russie over to LeBron's crib and whining and dining him to get him to, you know, figure out if he wants to be there or not. No, none of that. None of that. So, yeah, I I will say the answer of you can't force a team to help your team get better. I think that needs to be said more because I think people just, well, just go trade Russie. Well, look, it, it, the other team might not want Russie. So what are you going to throw in to make me want to take back Russie? And the only deal that's been widely reported that was maybe even legitimately have a remote chance of happening was another wall for Russie deal where John Wall goes to the Lake show and Russie goes back to Houston. The problem is, is that Houston wanted a first round pick because again, nobody wants Russie. So the Lakers were going to have to include something else with Russie to make a team take Russie. And the Rockets are like, nah, bro. Nah, if, if you ain't giving up, if you ain't coming up off some picks, we don't want it. And the Lake Show did not want to give up a first round pick. They just wanted a straight swap. They wanted that Daryl Morey. <laughs> they wanted that one for one, like that Daryl Morey. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, the Lake Show, it's it's over. It's over. Uh the buyout market might help them. I'm pretty sure they're going to be heavily involved and heavily active in the buyout market. But y'all know how I feel about AD. Uh, LeBron, I mean, you know, LeBron is hit or miss with me at, at, at this point. I know how good he is. It's just I know he's also on the downside of his career, even though people just keep looking at the box score and saying he's still the like, mm, not really, though. Not really, though. He's not that. He's not that guy anymore. And that's fine. What he's doing is still great. I'm not saying he's why. If I say he's washed, it's washed compared to his former self. It's not washed like, oh, he's a bench warmer now. It's, no, he's washed compared to his former self. He thinks this version of LeBron would destroy 27, 28, 29 year old Bron. And I mean, I understand why he thinks that. <laughs> <laughs> I understand why he thinks that, but I mean, nah, bruh, nah, nah. Young Bron, or at least prime Bron, not young Bron, not first running Cleveland Bron, Miami Bron, second Miami chip Bron, nah, f- first chip or second chip Bron? Oh, that's a good question. Somebody hit me with that. First Miami chip Bron or second Miami chip Bron? Is that the prime or do you want to go second that Cleveland chip Braun? What was the peak of peaks of Braun? Not young emerging, but that wasn't the peak. To me, the peak happened Miami and that second Cleveland run. What year was the absolute peak of peak of LeBron? Now, take that Braun against this Bron, old man Bron, point forward Bron, point forward Bron thinks he washes prime peak Bron, and I think that's laughable. He spent too much time in a hyperbolic chamber. As I wrap it up here, uh, I do want to touch on the Super Bowl real quick. Uh, yeah, I hope some of y'all caught that early. Rams minus two and a half when that line first came out. I hope I hope some of y'all caught that. I hope some of y'all caught that. It's up to four now. I would still take the points. Um, Bengals could win, sure. But I think a lot of things got to go right. There needs to be another perfect storm. This matchup taps into something that, you know, I've been saying ever since I started podding or radio shows, whatever, is this about talent and who's got the most talent. And that's always been my thing. I don't care what scheme you draw up. I don't care about your X's and O's. More times than not, give me the squad with the most horses and we'll figure it out. We will out-talent you more times than you will out-scheme me. 
And I think this is what it is. Both teams, there's no real scheme for the Bengals. It's just they have talent. They just don't have enough. <laughs> they don't have as much as the Rams, and that's by design. The Rams have mortgaged their entire future to load up on stars and load up on talent and top-tier talent, not just names, top-tier talent. Jalen Ramsey is a top-tier DB, if not the best DB. Aaron Donald, arguably the best defensive lineman. You could, um, I would say he is the best defensive lineman. You could argue he's the best defensive player in the whole league, if not the best player in the league. And then they got Von Miller, who's still top-tier. And then they got Leonard Floyd, who is good. Bear down. I mean, they're, they're getting dudes off the couch. Eric Weddle, former pro bowler, is coming off the bench, coming off the couch, and now playing significance. He's getting 20 plays. He's getting 20 snaps. So, I mean, this 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 is just, you know, and then on the offensive side, I mean, come on, we, we know what the Rams are. I mean, look, McVay is who they say he is to a certain degree. He got schooled by Belichick a few years ago in his first trip to the Super Bowl, and that was one of the most boring Super Bowls ever. Hopefully he's learned from that because they retooled. Cooper Cup is arguably the best receiver in the NFL. Odell Beckham, if you see me on Twitter, I'm getting into back and forth with jaded Giants fans about how good or great or elite Odell still is. Odell Beckham as your number two is unfair. Odell Beckham as your number two is unfair. Then you throw in the fact that they got Cam Akers fresh off the ACL in, what, six months? I'm going with the Rams, bro. I mean, I would still take the four. I would even say money line. That's how confident I am in it. But I jumped on it early and got that two and a half. So we we good on this side. Even if you were able to catch that three and a half, you should still feel good. And even if it's the four, I'd, I'd take the four. And if I'm proven wrong, I'll come on here. It's just, it just so rarely happens that I'm actually proven wrong. <laughs> but yeah, if I'm proven wrong, I'll I'll, I'll come on here and, and talk about it. I mean, this happened in the past. I I think I think I've been proven wrong in this pod before. I think. Anywho, the halftime show um, I'm hearing is going to be one of them ones. And you're in L.A., you're in Inglewood, and you're bringing out snooping them, draining them, fresh off Snoop buying Death Row. This halftime going to be one of them ones. There's going to be some surprises, allegedly. I've heard some things. The group chat has been buzzing away. Mary could come out there and do her thing. She don't have to act like in power. She could just go out there and be her natural self. And it won't look as awkward as her trying to dance. What is more awkward for Mary? Acting on power or her trying to dance? You know what it is. Appreciate y'all for listening. Subscribe or rate to the podcast. Fast stars, nonetheless. Tell a friend. Uh, hey, man. Oh, the boy is over at Bleacher Report now. No more CBS. We got up out of there. Uh, seen a lot more people that look like me. It's a lot more comfortable. Um, yeah, so, you know, find me over there. Schedule's a little bit more normalized. Not as much travel. And when I do travel, it'll be to some dope shit. So for now, the podcast schedule will be pretty much still on par with the weekly stuff. Maybe not as random during the week, but we will get down, locked down to a actual schedule. Looking forward to that, but support all the content. Appreciate y'all always liking, retweeting, sharing my stuff. So that's always greatly appreciated. Uh, Look, man, I'm trying to expand this brand as much as I can, build this audience and uh, see where this thing could go. So. Whatever you can do to help that and help facilitate that is always greatly appreciated. So I'll holler at y'all. We want to do some Super Bowl stuff, so we'll do some post-Super Bowl stuff. So be on the lookout for that. For The Sam D Podcast, I'm The Sam D. I'm out.